Good morning. My name is Ryan Litchfield, if you don't know who I am, and I am the pastor of student ministries here at Ridgecrest. So Matt asked me to preach this morning, and so that is an honor and privilege for me. Uh, So one of the cool things about life in the 21st century, or maybe even just being a student pastor, is that we have cell phones, right? Uh, We all love our cell phones, and some of us may love our cell phones for the same reason that we don't like our cell phones. It's because we can get called at all hours of the day, right? Um, By telemarketers, by anybody can get a hold of us as long as they have that cell phone number that we have. Uh, so, So they might call us what, whoever it may be, and whenever they want to. They, I guess they have the privilege uh, to call us. And so one of the great things about ha- being a student pastor in the 21st century is having cell phones because we get to reach out to parents. We get to reach out to students, uh, maybe by a text, social media, maybe a phone call. And so sometimes those students uh, reach back out to us or reach to us when they have a need. And so a few years ago when I was serving at another church, I had a student call me in what I would consider the middle of the night, which is about 11 o'clock, and that's because I go to bed pretty early. Uh, And I thought, why is this student calling me? It woke me up from the sleep, and I thought, there's no reason this student's calling me. It's an accident, or if you were my age back in the day, we used star six, seven or star six, nine. We would call this phone number, and then it would block it. And so I thought, maybe he just forgot. He was prank dialing me. He forgot to put those numbers in. I'm not going to answer it. I'm going to go back to sleep. So I dozed off. A few minutes later, my cell phone rang again, and I thought, what in the world is going on? This still has to be an accident. Just because he called twice doesn't mean he actually needs me. It's just an accident. There's no reason he's calling. Maybe he's just calling to talk, and I want my sleep. Uh, And so a few moments later, the phone rang again. And at this time, I kind of woke Alicia up and I said, hey, like, I'm going to answer this phone call. This must be an emergency. I don't know what's happening on the other side of this phone, but it has to be an emergency because there's no reason someone calls three times in a row at 11 o'clock at night. And so the next thing I knew, I answered the phone. I talked with this student. And what happened was he needed a ride home from work. And so this student, uh, he was 16 at the time, was just able to work. But he had a a mom that was a single mom, and he had several siblings. Uh, And and his mom could not go pick him up from work. Uh, And then nobody could bring him back that he worked with. He he worked in a different town. uh, And so nobody from that job could bring him to his house that night. He had no friends that could come pick him up. And so I was his option. So I got up and went and picked him up and brought him home. And that was that. Uh, And so many of us love our cell phones and we love that we can contact people. But without this student calling three times in a row, there was no way he may have gotten home from work. Uh, it, It was the third call that ultimately finally said, this is an emergency and he needs me. Uh, so his persistence, or his persist- being, him being persistent, got him home that night. Uh, and so this morning, we're going to be in Luke chapter 11, verses 5 through 13. If you want to go ahead and turn there, that would be great. If you don't have a Bible with you, there should be one in the pew in front of you. Uh, you can take that out. If you don't have a Bible at all, let a, that be a gift from us to you. 
So Luke 11, 5 through 13, it says this. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. And a, fr- and a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked. And my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of a friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask for him? Let's pray before we dive into this text this morning. Father, we thank you uh, for your word. Father, we thank you for the privilege to be here this morning. Uh, to see your word. Father, I ask that you would speak clearly through me. As, as I've studied this week, I ask that you would speak clearly the point of this scripture uh, today as we study it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So what we see here in Luke 11 is that prayer should be something of great importance in the life of all Christ followers. Uh, so this passage of scripture, what happens in verses 1 through 4, is, is Jesus teaching the Lord prayer. So the the Lord's Prayer. So this comes right after that. Right after Jesus was teaching the disciples how to pray, he began them, he began to show them the importance of being persistent in prayer and maybe the attitude they should have when praying. So in verses one through four, which we didn't read and we aren't covering, but we are provided with an example of how to pray or some things to pray for and what we should be praying for. And then he transitions in verses 5 through 13, he shows us why we should pray and probably why we should be excited when we are praying. So sometimes we pray for something. When we pray for that thing, we may pray for it for once, one time, two times, or three times, and we kind of push it to the side. And so this morning, you maybe in your Sunday school class or, or in your life group throughout the week, you may take prayer requests, right? You may write them down. You may pray for them once or twice, and then you kind of wait for next week's things. Or you, or you see someone post on Facebook and you, that is asking for prayer, and you may say, I'll pray for you, and you kind of pray for that thing once or twi- twice, maybe a few times. And then you move on to the next thing that you see, and you, forgot, you kind of begin to forget about the things that you prayed for. And so oftentimes we, we do this, we pray for something once or twice, and we begin to forget about it. And, or oftentimes we tell someone we'll pray for them and then we don't do that at all. Uh, but we are, shouldn't just move on to the newest requests that we receive. What we would see in this passage is that we are in, persistent in prayer. That we should not give up, that we should continue on praying for these requests or for some spiritual needs in our life. That we may pray until we have an answer. That we should pray until we see that God has answered what we have been praying for. Uh, So I would say this, and as we look at the rest of the text, if Jesus makes the plea here in Scripture for us to spend time in prayer, 
and to make bold requests, to, for us to be persistent in prayer, then I would say it's important for us to do these things. So this parable is kind of broken down into three areas. The first one is this, the friend that needs some bread. And so one of the main ideas behind this passage is that persistent, that we should be persistent in prayer. If we think about the illustration in this parable, uh, it's that this guy is shameless. The guy is bold and he is persistent. This guy knocking on the door in the middle of the night, this guy has no shame. He's bold, he's shameless. The guy woke up somebody in the middle of the night to get some bread. So many of you have kids or have had kids, and you would say, if somebody knocked on the door in the middle of the night to ask for some bread, I would be pretty mad, right? So I remember one time a few years ago, our door being our doorbell rang at about 2 a.m., and I didn't go into, oh, I'll go answer the door. I go into panic mode of what's happening at the door, and so I imagine many of us would do the same thing. So it's a pretty bizarre idea that someone's knocking on the door at this time of the night. But he woke some up, so woke somebody up in the middle of the night to get some bread. And he wouldn't stop until he got what he wanted. And maybe some kids are the same way. They continue to ask in their, until their parent buys them that toy at the store. They want to be persistent. And so we should, what we should see here in the text is that we should be the same way. In ancient cultures, this is just as bizarre as it is today, of somebody knocking out at our door in the middle of the night, um, and this guy wouldn't take no for an answer. He wouldn't take no as an answer from this friend. And so if you, we were to receive a surprise visit in the middle of the night, we would be pretty shocked, just like this villager who received a surprise visit in the middle of the night was very shocked. He, wanted, he didn't know what this guy was needing, the guy told him, get some bread. He said, go away. So the guy continued to knock. The guy didn't want his family to be woken up. And then he finally gave him the bread. And so according to the explanation of the parable in verse 8, the final motive for responding to this request was not really the desire to help this neighbor out, but it was really to end the bothersome request. He was trying to get the neighbor to go away. The only reason that we see that maybe the, the friend might have gotten up was so that this villager would go away and maybe quit being annoying and quit knocking on this door. In the parable, what we see is the, the perseverance of the petitioner um, is what got him what he wanted. Uh, and so what we would also see is maybe asking rudely. He wanted to get this at any cost. And he didn't, have, he didn't care about the shame um, or anything that was happening. He just wanted to get this bread. But the sleeper did not want to be bothered. But I would say this, when we pray and we spend time in prayer and we're persistent in prayer, God is willing to be bothered in many ways that we would probably not tolerate as humans. As we would spend time in prayer and that we're seeking God's face through prayer, God is willing to be bothered in ways that we probably would not want to be bothered. And we would say this, probably anybody, if we see this text and would take it to life and say, if anybody treated me like this friend treated me, I would probably no longer to be their friend. But God is good, and as we go to him and we are persistent in prayer, we can see that God wants us to come to him in prayer and that we maybe can annoy God with our request, but that's okay. God calls us to be persistent. 
God can be approached with, persistent, with us being pers- persistent. He, we can be perseverant. And then, uh, because God is not offended by our honest and urgent prayer request. So in the end of the passage, it states, it's God's good pleasure to give good gifts to his children. So God wants to answer our, or meet our needs. So when it comes to knocking on doors, so it comes to this illustration, I think what we have to understand is that we have to be shameless in our request. And so we would even say we might have to be shameless in our request. And this guy was pretty shameless to knock on this door in the middle of the night. He didn't know what was going to happen. He didn't know if this friend was going to be mad at him. He didn't know how this relationship was going to end, but he needed to meet a need. So just like if you've ever went door-to-door and knocked on doors uh, and done door-to-door evangelism or been on a mission trip and had to go door-to-door, we have to be bold when we do those things. We kind of have to have an idea of what we're going to say when we knock on that door, whether we're inviting someone to church whether we're just meeting a new neighbor or uh, we're on a mission trip or we're going to share the gospel with that person. We have to be bold, knowing, that what we are, what, knowing about what we are going to say. So this summer, a few of our students and I and my wife, we went on to a mission trip and we had the opportunity to knock on several doors. And we had no idea that what was going to happen. But what we began to figure out is that persistent, us being persistent and knocking on these doors, we would get to finally talk to a few people. But we had to be bold and shameless. So we had to be prepared and confident in knowing what we were going to say and that we should have been bold and shameless in these things. So just like maybe when we got told no or we didn't, no one answered the door many houses in a row, we had to be bold and continue on. And so sometimes when we continue on in prayer, we may feel like God is not answering or God's got not speaking. We have to continue on in prayer. Uh, and, and so maybe you've never knocked on doors and you say, I have no idea what that experience is like. But you would say this probably, maybe your door is the one that's getting knocked on. And so maybe you peek through the blinds. And when you do that, I don't know if you know this, but people actually look at the blinds instead of the doors to see if you're home. Or maybe you check your ring doorbell and say, hey, kids, be quiet. There's somebody's at the door. Uh, and so people know that are knocking on these doors know all these things. And so oftentimes, though, when you see that someone's home, if you knock again, they may come. Or knock for a third time. They may finally come to that door because they want you to go away so that they can go back to normal life. They don't want to be in hiding all the time. So, but oftentimes, us being persistent is the way of getting that door open. Uh, and so just like we should pray, we should be persistent, we should be shameless with our requests, that we would continue on praying uh, for our needs and for our requests to be met. So our persistence through prayer should be shameless, just like the villager, just like the person knocking on your door, door at home. So usually when we hear the word shame, what we jump to is being, uh, we think of something bad or we think of someone that, or something that someone should be embarrassed about. But this, the shamelessness that we see in this passage, it was good. Um, it was actually excellent. And what we see, this is what got the villager to get his friend to open up the door. Uh, we should be bold and shameless when we approach God through prayer. Not that we are embarrassed, but knowing that we can ask God to meet our spiritual needs. That we must be confident in what we are praying for. Uh, What Jesus is saying here 
is if a grouchy friend can be forced by his friend's shameless, uh, his shameless insistence to give his friend what he ought, how much more will our loving God respond to our shameless petitioning for what we actually need? So may we have the proper shamelessness to pray through life, knowing that God cares, knowing that we may be praying according to his standards, and knowing that we are praying according to his purposes, and knowing that we can be bold in our request. God is willing to be bothered through prayer in many ways that us as humans may not tolerate. So not only do we see this shameless persistent when in the passage with his friend. But Jesus also goes on to say that we should ask, that we should seek, and that we should knock. So Jesus gives an illustration here for persistence, but then he shows us another example. So these words, ask, seek, and knock, are used in a way that teaches us to do these things in a way that is ongoing, that is almost habitual not sporadic and not a temporary thing, but something that is ongoing throughout our life. These actions through prayer should show that we are in need of God and that we need his help and that we are depending on God to meet our needs. These words grow in intensity. As we move from asking to seeking to knocking, we can see that it kind of gets more intense and we'll look at that in just a second. So as the word ask implies, getting some assistance or or getting help for a need that we might have in our spiritual life or our physical life, and then we may realize that, hey, we cannot meet this need on our own, so I have to ask God for help. This word also would suggest some humility in asking, that we would realize that we cannot meet this need on our own and that we would have to trust God to meet this thing. Uh, and, and so it's, it's commonly used for making a request to someone that might be in charge of us. Uh, so asking is what we probably most commonly do through prayer. Uh, we spend time asking for things, and so that's probably what we are most commonly doing. We can kind of get the idea of maybe asking a boss for something, asking a parent for something, asking a teacher for something. And so maybe that's the idea of where we get asked from. But it's something that requires some humility, submitting and realizing that we cannot meet this need on our own and we need God's help. And then seek indicates asking, but it kind of adds some action to it. The idea is not that we just would express our need and make them known, but that there's some effort uh, behind it, that there's some consistency behind it, that we're continuing on. That we also would keep our eyes open in ways that God might be meeting these needs. And that we would seek after the face of God and be intentional in looking for ways that God is meeting our needs. It involves some continual effort in what we are asking for. Knock includes asking, but also persevering. Like someone who keeps pounding on a closed door, trying to get that door opened. Like when you know someone is home, but they aren't coming to the door, and maybe you knock and knock and knock again until they come. So that's where we get the idea of knocking from, that it would be a continual effort until we might hear a way that our need has been met. Um, And so persistent is an indication of our soul's confidence. Jesus says it'll be given 
You will find and the door will be opened. Those who ask, seek, and knock are people that as they do these things, as they're asking, seeking, and knocking, would be people that would say, I trust that God's going to answer. I trust that God is going to meet my needs. I may not know when, but I trust him. And that we should pray with dependence and humility while looking for God's provision. God is approachable, God is gracious, and God is ready to hear our needs. And so uh, prayer, the, their prayers are not works, but are maybe they're acts of faith that we're trusting in God. Not rituals, but that we are reliant on God, that we need him. So in the increasing intensity of the asking, seeking, and knocking, Jesus is calling us to be persistent in prayer. Our persistence in prayer shows that we trust, that we, that we have faith in God, that we have trust in God for him to answer and to meet our needs that we are placing before him. And so when we seek dependence on God through prayer, we should fully trust in his response. When we feel like our, his, he's meeting our needs, that we, sure, that we should trust in the ways that he has met those needs. We should have hope because he cares for us and that he hears our prayers. God desires prayer that is bold and shameless. He desires that we share our hearts with him. And we can be bold because he cares. And we can seek his face because he is there waiting to hear and embrace our needs. So just like my student uh, a few years ago kept calling and I guess the reason that he continued to call was because that he trusted that I would answer. And that when I answered that phone call, that I would go pick him up from work. He had some trust in me, and that's why he continued to call. Just like we should continue on praying, because we know that God is listening, and we know that he will answer in his timing. And so we kind of move from asking to seeking to knocking, and then we move on to this this, pat, or this part where it's, um, Jesus is talking about fathers giving good gifts to their children. In verse 11, fathers love their children. And despite sinfulness, they still enjoy giving good gifts to, our child, or to their children. And so I would say this is probably true for most of you in your lives. Uh, and so I would say, like, we have a kid on the way. She's not born yet. But if we go to a store, I'm always looking of what I can already buy to give her as a gift. Uh, and so as, as someone that doesn't have a kid that's born yet, I, I've, I've already become the gift giver. Uh, and so as, as many of you, we can see that we love to take care of our children. So usually if, if they ask for a fish, we may take them fishing. We, or we might take them to the store and buy them a fish. If they ask for an egg, you might get up and make them scrambled eggs in the morning and make them a fried egg or make them an omelet. We often give them what they are asking for as long as it is not harmful. But God doesn't, God doesn't promise to give us whatever we desire, only what we need. God calls us to come to him with our needs. And the Father delights in giving us the things we need to get through everyday life. But yet we sinful people with all these sinful shortcomings go to great lengths to give good gifts to our children you might work extra hours when the holidays come you might cut a few extra coupons you might 
sell a few things in the house to have some extra money laying around. And you might go to these great links to buy nice gifts for your family at Christmas or, or birthdays. So if this is true of sinful parents, we can have great confidence in knowing that our gracious and loving Father in heaven will meet our needs. We can imagine a, a child asking for a fish. And we can imagine a child asking for some eggs. We cannot imagine a father giving them a snake or a scorpion if that's what those requests were. So how much more is this true of our perfect father in heaven? He is never giving anything. He's never given any of his children, but anything what they needed to compete, uh, compete life, complete life. The gift that Luke is talking about here in verse 13 is the gift of the Holy Spirit that would come later on in Acts during Pentecost. That the Holy Spirit would have come at Pentecost and as, as believers that we would receive the Holy Spirit and the gift of the Holy Spirit would help direct us in our life. And the gift of the Holy Spirit will help meet our spiritual needs in our life. The Holy Spirit's the best possible gift that we could ever receive and we should pray for the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives that it would help meet our needs. So in all of our prayers, the greatest gift and the greatest thing that maybe God might use to answer some of, to meet some of our needs may be the Holy Spirit. So the student I talked about earlier, like I said, grew up with a single mom who had several siblings, and he had to work to help pay the bills at his house. That's why he got to go to work. He didn't get to use this money for what he wanted to do, but he had to work to help pay the bills. And he was calling because he was stuck at home. And his mom couldn't come pick him up from work. No friends could pick him up from work. And no one from work could take him home. So he needed a ride home, so he called me. And without him being persistent, without him having trust in me, and without him calling my phone, he could have been stuck at work. And so without, his, without him being persistent, there is no idea how he would have gotten home that night. But for me, this was more than getting a student home. This student had just recently started attending our church by himself. And so a few months before he had started attending um, our church, and this was an opportunity to build a relationship with a student, or a student that didn't have a dad in their life. But this was an opportunity for me to build a relationship with this student. But it was also an opportunity to share the gospel and possibly see someone come to Christ. So this student came from a rough background and did not know Christ. Uh, but I was continually praying that Christ uh, would make himself known to this student. That this was one of the many opportunities to share Christ with them. And so several months later, through many hours spent in prayer for this student who lived a pretty rough life, I was able to see him come to Christ. And so I was finally saw, was able to see this student come to know Christ and make him the Lord and Savior of his, of his life. But through many hours of prayer and many conversations of being persistent, I had the privilege of, to see how God changed his life and how God's continuing to use this student today. So the importance of prayer in this passage is self-evident. This passage is entirely dedicated to this thing. And that we are called to be persistent in prayer and trust that God will provide what we need when we need it. So we are called to be shameless with our request. 
And we are called to be bold with our request and that we should pray expectantly knowing that God will answer in his timing. And we should expect the Father to answer maybe through the Holy Spirit. If we're seeking and looking for a way that God might be answering, it might be through the Holy Spirit. We have someone that we can approach with a request and that is God. And we all need to spend time in prayer with God. It's foolish of us as believers to only go to God in prayer when it seems like life is falling apart. So he wants us to pray constantly. He wants us to pray when life's good. He wants us to pray when life seems okay. He doesn't want us just to pray when life is falling apart. God expects to see boldness in our prayers. At times we may seem like we are annoying, but that is okay. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. And as we spend time today looking at your word and that we can see we can be bold and shameless in our request. Father, we ask that you may convict us or stir in our lives a way of that we could spend more time in prayer, not for us, but for your glory. So Father, as we are able to do those things that we would trust in you, that when you answer, that it's the right thing that we need for our life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.